Hi, and welcome to Pillsbury's Industry Insights Podcast, where we discuss current legal and practical issues in finance and related sectors. I'm Joel Simon, a partner at the international law firm Pillsbury Winthrop Shaw Pittman. To our listeners from wherever you are tuning in, welcome and thank you for your continuing interest in our podcast series. Today, I'm pleased to introduce Melina Spadone. Melina is a transactional attorney who advises ultra-high net worth individuals and family offices on a wide range of legal issues. Melina previously served as general counsel and chief of staff for several family offices and closely held businesses, ranging in size from $1 billion to $4 billion, whose assets include commercial real estate, publishing and media, investment entities, and family foundations. She's overseen and coordinated legal, business, investment, philanthropic, real estate, litigation, staffing, and political activities. In each case, Melina provides tailored legal solutions to address the complex mix of a client's family and business dynamics. Welcome to our podcast, Melina. Hi, Joel. Thank you so much for inviting me here today. Hi, Melina. You work across a fascinating spectrum of clients and issues, so there are a lot of topics to choose from. If you're up for it, I'd like to hear your perspective on certain trends you're seeing in family offices as more baby boomers are turning over the reins, either willingly or unwillingly, to millennials. Add in the pandemic and other risks that aren't specific to the business or particular investments, and you have a whole new set of unexpected challenges, but also exciting opportunities. That's absolutely true, Joel. Um, The pandemic has created an environment of both chaos and opportunity. And we've seen the next generation being much more active during this forced pause with their families. Generation one, the wealth creators, have their way of doing things and may be directly tied to how they created their wealth. The next gen we're seeing is either doing business the same way their first generation has or creating new businesses from the wealth that was created by the first generation. Specifically, in recent times, there's been a lot of social issues that have come to the forefront within family businesses, whether it's the riots, social change, or just the time with your family at dinner, the next generation has had a stronger voice during the pandemic. They've actually responded by action and not just by words, by joining protests, making large donations to charitable movements that they have a belief in and influencing their first generation parents with their own values. The other thing that we've seen is that this time of the pandemic has created an opportunity for families to focus on not just business as usual, but things that they're going to do differently. It's forced them to do audits of their businesses, talk about succession planning, and take active steps when business is not running as usual. Those both sound really interesting, Melina, and I guess each of them could be its own mini-series, let alone a subtopic for us to discuss. But let's get started with the social justice question, whether through protest movements or reform movements or charitable donations. Is the younger generation actually incorporating those issues and how to resolve them into their investment platforms? And the other question I have for you is, Do family offices have things like diversity officers or corporate responsibility guidelines the way many large corporations and other organizations do? As to your first question, what I've seen is sort of an immediate response to the social issues. That means that they have not been formalized into any kind of business plan or action. 
It's been much more reactive and immediate. That's one of the luxuries that family offices have, that there isn't that much structure necessarily around family decision-making. So people can write checks, make movements happen on the spur of the moment. There has been some change also in the more formal processes. Family offices look at investments for philanthropic reasons, and there has been change in how they view these impact investing decisions that they're making to toggle to the new needs of the second generation. To your second question, these decisions have not been necessarily made into a corporate responsibility mandate. A lot of the actions on the family side are already sort of known and understood among the family members and don't require a formal document. Of course, there are families that are private held that have larger businesses where these policies would already be in place or maybe changed or expanded during this time. So it sounds like the younger generation is having the same or a similar impact on family offices as they are across a wide spectrum of businesses, other organizations, schools, um, the news. Um, It's really fascinating to see it play out in all these different contexts. Turning to succession planning, um, as an outside advisor, do you need to push your clients to do a succession plan or do they tend to get there on their own? For the most part, uh, the clients that I work with have already gotten there on their own, but they get to sort of step one of a multi-step, multi-year process. There was a research report that was done by Camden and UBS that found that only 32% of private wealth families had formal plans. And of those, only 24% had them documented. Almost 50% had no plans in place. As you can see, this could be a big challenge. I think the other issue is that families as well as individuals think that succession planning is a document that you write down and then you put it in a drawer and you're done. But really, the best succession plans are continuity plans that have been put into place and talked about at families, meetings, dinner tables for multiple years. These are plans that have to be living with a sense of the purpose and the goal in mind and then ever changing and evolving as they go. Of course, there's always a place for formal documents, but really a true succession plan is an ongoing living thing. This has been an information-packed discussion on some great issues, Melina. You really have to be on your toes advising on all of these complex matters. Yes, you do, but it's also fascinating because I never know what each day will bring. These situations with families are as diverse as the families themselves. It can be tax planning, trust and estate, philanthropy, next generation education, and formal financial education for them. I'm never bored, and I never know what's coming next. Melina, it's been great chatting with you. Thanks so much for joining me today. It's been my absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. And now it's time for This Week in History. October 4th, 1957 is a relatively recent day in history that changed the world for the better and should serve as an inspiration for us today. The Soviet Union's launch of Sputnik 1, the very first artificial Earth satellite, began as a relatively quiet event. As news of it spread, however, it spooked a lot of Americans who thought the U.S. had fallen woefully behind the Soviet Union in technology and weaponry. Although it played a prominent role in framing a lot of difficult issues in the Cold War, its real impact has been much more beneficial and more enduring. 
The Sputnik launch was, in fact, the beginning of a new era of political, military, technological, and scientific developments. Among other things, it led to the creation of NASA, increased government spending on scientific research and education through the National Defense Education Act, and revived the human thirst for exploring uncharted territory, resulting in our landing on the moon 12 years later. Sputnik inspired an entire generation of scientists, engineers, and astronauts, and planted the seeds for the development of modern satellite navigation. If we could find a way to transform today's disagreements among the superpowers, or the disagreements among our nation's political opponents, into an ambitious and inspired competition, we could once again harness our collective talents and strengths to achieve great things beyond our wildest hopes and dreams. I'm sure that would be a change from the current news cycle that would be welcomed by all. See you next time, and thank you for listening to Pillsbury's Industry Insights Podcast.